Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi all, I'm Libby, proud captain of Millwall Lionesses. Thank you to our Millwall fan show from the No One Likes Us Talking team for sponsoring me this year. Make sure you give them a listen like I do. Or even better, why not sponsor a lioness while you're at it like they do? Thank you always for your continued support. This podcast is a proud member of the Fan Hub 100. Football without fans is nothing, so we've partnered with Fan Hub to put fans first. Search Fan Hub app to play your part in the journey. Hi, I'm Bethany Warren, and you are joining me to listen to the podcast of our Millwall fan show with the No One Likes Us Talking team, which is available every Friday at 8pm. It is the 18th show of COVID-19 lockdown 3.0 with, of course, COVID hopefully reducing here in England. I'm your host, Johnny Burrow, and I have the No One Likes Us Talking team of George Lampy, Jeff Burnage and Stan Godwin. Not everybody likes them, but they don't care. Firstly, before I turn to the panel, there are a couple of announcements. The Lions Food Hub, based in Rennie and Manor Estate and Residence Association Hall in Bermondsey, are looking for food and financial support. To help them, you can find Lions Food Hub on Twitter and Facebook or enter Lions Food Hub Banquet, that's B-A-N-K-U-E-T, into your browser and make a one-off or a regular donation. And Michael Cole, 36, a lifelong Lions fan and son of former Millwall employee Mark, had been given two months to live but is currently in Guy's Hospital and receiving morphine and radiotherapy which, along with chemotherapy, could extend his life for a year. However, Michael's friend Kevin Lott is raising money for Michael to be able to afford private treatment, which could give him the opportunity to live for many more years. Any donation, big or small, would be a huge help towards Michael's treatment and is appreciated by his family and friends. For more information and to donate, insert fundraiser by Kevin Lott supporting Mike Cole into your browser and a link will appear to where you can make a donation. Now, moving on to the show itself. Gents, lovely to speak to you all. How are you? Hello, Johnny. (laughs) George Lampy, lovely to have you with us. Well, let's start with you, because we've got to talk about what can only be described as a thumping victory. 4-1 at the Den last Saturday against Bristol City. What did you make of it? Well, it it was one of the rare occasions, John, when... um, we had more possession than the opposition, which doesn't happen hardly ever. Um, but if I remember rightly, I'm sure Bristol were doing very well early in the season, and I thought mm. they would be quite. But on Saturday, they looked at a side lost and, and well defeated, although they've got some outstanding footballers, actually. So um, I thought our football was top notch, I thought our passing was excellent. And then it really bodes well for the future of, of the club, I think, and, and for this particular team, that uh, with a few additions, this club could go forward. Yeah. I, th- 
I think that's absolutely right, as you say, a great performance and great signs for the future. Mr. Jeff Burnage, lovely to hear your name and your dulcet tones. What, what did you make of the game? Well, my tones are not usually described as dulcet, Johnny, but it's lovely to be <laughs> with you again. Um, what I make of the game, um, I'm going to try and be positive and not talk about how, how rubbish uh, Bristol City were. They weren't very good, to be fair. But um, for me, one positive has been the recall of Tom Bradshaw to the team because mm. he stretches the opposition. He goes in behind them. And our other strikers haven't been doing that. And he's uh, uh, got a turn of pace. He doesn't score as many goals as he should. I think that's obvious. But um, yeah, I think he's helped a lot. Um, Billy Mitchell uh, has come into the team recently, and he's done well. And uh, considering the, the fact that two of our back three are out injured, um, uh, I think we've done really well and uh, I can't wait for the game on Saturday uh, tomorrow that I can't wait um, uh, I think we might win that one again but we'll talk about that later won't we mm, well hopefully we can have a repeat performance Stan Godwin you're a man who nearly always has an opinion what's your take on this one well I, it, it, I thought on Saturday uh, I thought we played well I mean I thought to be honest Although Bristol City had gone off the boil of, of recent times, uh, but then they got Nigel Pearce in there and he was the full-time manager and I thought, well, you know, he might might get them going. And they started off reasonably well, Bristol City, and then it uh, fell apart from them. But, what, but from the Millwall performance, uh, I mean, I was quite impressed. I mean, I thought, for example, I mean, Danny Mack, that must have been his best game I've seen him play for Millwall. But what I liked, and I and hopefully it will stay the same, is that you you had Marlon Romeo and Danny Mac playing on the same side, you know, uh, and Danny Mac was up the front, and which is good because that 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 combination between Marlon and Danny Mac, I thought was superb on Saturday, and I think in in many respects that is the way forward. Uh, I think Tom Bradshaw, think... for once he got some decent service. And he then looked a threat. Uh, Billy Mitchell, I thought, was good. The only difficulty I had, uh, John, I was watching the game on iFollow, and it was, we were 2-1 up, and then the computer went up the spout. I lost a connection and one thing and another. And then by the time I got it back, we were 4-1. And, and I didn't see the two goals until later on on, on Quest. But, but that uh, is the right way round, Stan, right? You could have lost your connection and come back to find that you were 3-2 down. Well, that's true. Then I'd have turned the thing off or thrown it out the window. But uh, <laughs> but no, it uh, but no, it, I I was I was impressed with our team and and McNamara and Marlon. I thought were excellent that day. Excellent. Hmm. Really, and, really. Uh, and everybody else science. played well. To be fair. So hopefully we'll nice have a repeat hear, of that Saturday. It's very nice to hear your voice, John. I forgot how posh you were. Well, I, I was waiting for there to be a comment made about that. I, th I think I'm probably gradually getting more posh again. Nature is healing. Um, uh, it's very nice to hear all of you as well. I think you've had some electrocution lessons. Yes, quite electrocution. Yeah, he's he's all always around. been a posh boy. It's all right. He's always been a posh boy. That is me. You, for you forgive me for it, though. That is the main I thing. We do indeed. Oh. We do indeed. But did you, did you all notice that Stan Goblin agreed with me? You know, he well, yeah, picked up Bradshaw and Mitchell and 
dear old Stan, for once in his life, um, he didn't have any argument with me, and I, I miss an no, argument with Stan. No, 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 Jeff. I, I, I agree with you quite often as it goes, but uh, ah. I mean, there are issues where we don't agree on. But no, I, no, I, I just thought I, I thought Bradshaw's a good, been a good player, and I, and I think this season. His, his problem's been, which has not been of his making, he's not had any decent service. And in the last couple of games, he has. And as I say, I, I think we're, we're, we're on, on song, but I just hope that we stick with the Marlon-Danny Mack combination on that side, because they were superb. Yeah, mm. but the, one of the reasons that Danny Mack could get forward so often as he did, and he, and he was telling, because he had Marlon behind him. Mm. It was superb. I agree. I think I think Marlon was excellent as well. Um, but obviously we've got Sean Hutchinson, we've got um, uh, the other Wallace Murray, um, and um, I suppose uh, I suppose it's doubtful whether Marlon will be a first choice in the back three. But it did work extremely well, and um, uh, yeah, it, it enabled McNamara to be very very positive. Um, so. Let's let's see what happens at Coventry. Mm. Well, it all bodes well for the future. I mean, you you know we're doing well when you've named all them players that are not in the team. Um, you bring them back and you add some additions. It could be quite exciting, could not it? We'll have to wait and see. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Wait and have to see who goes. Well, that is also true, but it sounds to me like there's lots to look forward to. Everyone clearly got a great deal to say about Bristol City and, of course, the rest of the season. We've got lots to talking about. We'll take a break there and be back with our first guest this evening. But for now, let's listen to what fantastic fanatics can offer our club. Hi, I'm Richard Gordon, and I'd like to invite you to become a fantastic fanatic. Fantastic Fanatics is a great way to raise funds for your sports club. Sign up today, find your club, and securely register your everyday debit and credit cards. Every time you spend with our retail partners, they pay a percentage back to your club. It costs you nothing, and you can win cash prizes along the way. Visit fantasticfanatics.com and help your club be the best it can be. I'm Johnny Burrow, and I'm back with the No One Likes Us Talking team of George Lampy, Stan Godwin, and Jeff Burnage. Great to see friend of the show, Sean Ash, the LAS slash NHS Trust fundraiser, receiving the Fantastic Fanatics prize of a pair of Scott Malone signed boots for his purchase through their site. Brilliant stuff. Our first guest tonight was capped by England at under 16 and under 17 level. He also qualifies for Wales, as his mother was born in Cardiff, as well as being eligible for Gibraltar through residency, having spent several years there as a child where he first started playing football in the youth ranks at Manchester United Gibraltar. On leaving the Rock, he then joined Portsmouth and that team from South Norwood, Crystal Palace, on youth terms. It was after leaving the Eagles that he joined the Lions on a one-year contract with Millwall in August 2014. He remained with Millwall until 2019. He'd been on loan at Welling, Braintree, Stevenage and Wimbledon during that period. He made 19 appearances for us and kept the bench warm on 84 occasions. He was released in 2019 and now plies his goalkeeping trade at Newport County, where he has hopes that the playoffs will beckon. Let's all welcome Tom King to our virtual studio. All right, Tom. How's it going, lads? You OK? Yeah, fine. And yourself? 
Yeah, very well, thank you. Great to have you with us, Tom. Thanks for your time. Before I let the team chat with you, your current captain at Newport, Josh Labadee, has said it's business as usual against Southend next Saturday. We'll go into that game like we would any other, looking to get three points. They're down already, but they're not going to roll over to let us turn up and do what we want. What do you make of that? Are you expecting a tough game even against Southend? 100%. Um, we, we, we faced them earlier on in the season. Uh, they held us to a 1-1 at our place. Um, we, we felt like we dominated the game that day and uh, we'll, we'll be looking to do something similar on Saturday. But I think it's one of those where the whole book of cliches, I think, comes out for the weekend <laughs> in terms of um, just you don't want to play for a draw and all, and all the things you hear, all the all the lovely pundits we get the pleasure of listening to every Saturday, say, on the telly and on the radio. So, um, look, we, we're in quite a fortunate position where... Um, it's in our hands. Uh, we we didn't want to be relying on other results going into the weekend, um, and we're not now. So it, it's all about us, and, and we're 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 fully focused going into this game. Tom, it is Jeff Burnage here. Um, I suppose the thing that you will remember, I remember, and I think all our fans remember about your time at Millwall was the FA Cup tie at Tottenham, uh, and I remember you pulling off a brilliant out of this world save. We were overrun a bit, but you still acquitted yourself well, I think, against a very, very good side, two divisions above us at the time, and with a strike force that were on fire. What do you remember about that day, and what was it like when you first headed out as a goalkeeper for Millwall's first team? I remember that being probably one of the busiest games of my life. <laughs> so I remember that game being... Um, I think... Um, so some of the stats people show me all the things and it was something like six saves in the first 10 minutes so um when you start a game like that as a goalie you you might get that feeling that today is going to be your day um obviously it wasn't meant to be and i know there was obviously um what happened to be an, an innocuous error at the end as well but that day, that day was so special for me i think in terms of my development and my career um being on the same the same pitch as, as those international players and seeing how they moved and how they conducted themselves and how professionally they, they acquitted themselves that day. I know obviously there was a lot riding on that occasion for them being the last ever FA Cup game at White Hart Lane as well. So um, I, I felt like that day was a real turning point for me in my career where I was up close and personal with the people that have competed at the highest level and I aspire to be like that. And I'm still relatively young on my journey and I, I hope I can still reach that level. But no, the the day the day as a whole was was obviously a little bit traumatic in terms of the result, and I think that you saw in our league performances after that result, um, it took us a couple of weeks to recover. Um, I, I don't think we won for two or three games after, and I think anyone who you speak to in that side says that it did actually take us a little bit of a while to recover from a result like that. It always does. So, um, look, we managed to get the job done that season in terms of the league, which was which was a massive bonus for everybody, um, and and I'll chalk that one down as a. As a uh, as a as a job as a job nearly done. It's a, it was kind of a taster for where I want to be and where I want to play. So um, I'll, I'll, I'll be hoping to get back to to that level. But I'll, um, I'll I'll cherish that day for for personal reasons anyway. And obviously, I didn't get to play many many games that year. So that being one of them was a uh, was a special one for me. Hi Tom, George here, mate. How are you? How you going, George? Yeah, not bad. How did you come to arrive at the Den following concluding your youth career at the Palace? 
it it was quite a strange one actually. It was um I was doing a bit of training down at, uh, at another very uh, beloved team by yourselves at Brighton, a, a goalie coach who uh, I'd worked with previously at Portsmouth. He was um the youth team goalie coach there, and uh, so he he said I could go in and and just almost keep fit and stay sharp for any trials that I had upcoming. And then I, I was I was walking along Brighton Beach actually with uh with my then partner at the time, and I got a phone call from a friend of mine who knew. Uh, Seb Barton, who was a previous youth goalie coach at, at Millwall, and is now uh, is now at Arsenal, so he's doing great things. But yeah, th- they were close, and he just said, "Look, would you would you just at least take a look at Tom? He's he, he's got all the attributes, and he's a, he's a hard worker." And at, at this point, George, I've got to be honest, mate, it was it was almost do or die for me. I mean, I I'd been on a couple of unsuccessful trials before. I mean, I quitted myself quite well at Brighton, and. Um, they they were keen to keep having a look at me, but the the thought of getting in somewhere like a, a club like Millwall, obviously I'd, I'd spent the previous years at Palace as well, so it was almost like a local area for me. I couldn't I couldn't pass up on that opportunity, and and thankfully the trial went really well, and uh, as they say, the rest is history, eh? <laughs> Tom, Stan here, mate. How are you? You're okay. How's it going, Stan? You okay? Yeah, I'm fine, mate, fine. We had Alfie Pavey on the show last week and he talked of you. And how who were the young hopefuls at Mule alongside you on arrival? And how did they do? And do you keep in touch with them? Cool, I bet that was a long podcast if you had Alfie Pavey on. Jesus, how long was that going? Three or four <laughs> days or what? <laughs> Jeez. Uh, I, yeah, I, I listened could, uh... to it, I wasn't on it, but anyway. <laughs> Yeah, I've had I've had I've had several conversations with him that have passed the three or four hour mark, I think. So yeah, if you manage to keep him down to forty minutes, I think you've you've got off of a right touch there. Oh, right. <laughs> but we'll be guided um, by you. <laughs> yeah, he he likes to remind me of that as well. Um no, to be fair, I, I, I spoke with him I spoke with him earlier actually and we had we had a little bit of a chat and just kind of reminiscing about those old those old youth team and under twenty three days and I mean you look at the squad that I think we played one game in Brist- against Bristol City, a home match, and me and Goal and uh, the late Christian Mabulu playing with with uh, with Sid Nelson and Marlon Romeo, Aidan O'Brien, Alfie himself, Jack Powell, who's gone on to do good things now, Crawley and Ben Thompson, obviously in the midfield, and you just look at that team and oh, oh Fred, I can't leave him out as well. Do you know what I mean? We we had some unbelievable talent going through that youth setup, and I think that's all all credit to to Neil Harris. I mean. He guided. I came into that system late, but he guided a lot of them boys through. Obviously, playing with Aiden, um, then guided him obviously back through the youth setup where where Aiden had had to take one step back to go two forward. You know, so um, I think he's got to take a lot of credit for that. But I think that that dressing room was special. Um, the twenty threes leading into the first team. I mean, we took that twenty three spirit into that first team dressing room and created a real environment of everybody fighting for one one cause you know and I think that's so vital I look back at maybe two of the three three of the teams that I've been in since and you can get a little bit divided but it never ever felt like that in that dressing room you know so no it's 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 a mo- it's they're, they're the days that I look back and I cherish and I still keep in contact with Sid and and Marlon and a few others and and, and some of the other boys have gone their separate ways but look, if they uh if they want to call on a reunion I think I'll be um I'll be first at the door well, it's good to hear that, Tom. And you mentioned some names there. My goodness, we did have a strong uh, uh, under-23 squad that year. And uh, it's nice to hear you paying tribute to Neil Harris's work because uh, um, he had been running that team before he became the manager of the first team. And 
I know he believed in that, a lot of them. Um, I can remember a story that sticks in the back of my mind about you, Tom, when you were on loan at Braintree. Not, not your finest hour, maybe. Uh, something about you being lobbed when you were expecting a ball to be passed back. It caused a lot of controversy at the time. Can you refresh our memory on what exactly happened? Yeah, so um, one of our players had gone down with an injury. Obviously, we'd kicked the ball out of play. And uh, so so when the ball arrives back onto the pitch from the throw-in, and I'm just expecting, so obviously there's none of this drop ball business that they're doing now where the team just gets to play on. So he's throwing the ball back onto the pitch and I'm stood on the edge of my eight-yard box ready to, 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 re, to reinvigorate the attack sort of thing. I think we might have needed, I think this is the year we obviously got to the playoffs and I think we might have needed a point or or something out of the game or three points, I can't remember. So I'm looking to get on with things quickly. Anyway, as the ball's and as the ball's been thrown in, I've seen him look up a couple of times. So I'm thinking, oh, he's not going to try this. So I'm still stood on the edge of my 18-yard box. The guy, I don't think I've I've watched him play a few times since. I don't think he's ever hit a ball so clean his his entire <laughs> life since. No disrespect to the fellow if he's listening, but I don't think he's ever hit a ball so clean his entire life. The ball's gone sailing over the top of my head, and I'm thinking, all right, well, that's fair enough. He, he's chanced his arm, he's gone for it. But they'll obviously do the right thing. I think we saw something similar with, with Leeds and Aston Villa a couple of years ago, didn't we? Where they just let him run the ball in. And I think there's been a few instances since. So I'm thinking, all right, they'll just let us have one. Like That might be my mistake, but we'll worry about that another day. And then, uh, yeah, their manager screaming on, don't let him have it, don't let him have it. So I'm now, I'm now panicking, properly panicking. I'm thinking, oh God, I'm going to take full responsibility for this. I mean, luckily we managed to pull a goal back and... Um, and get the draw out of the game, which was enough, obviously, to secure our playoff space. But yeah, a real, a real sense of um, a real sense of injustice on that day. But thankfully, it's actually funny you mentioned it. We were talking the other day about like kind of traumatic things that have happened in our careers that have changed the way we play. And we were talking about this in the dressing room the other day. And I said, like, if you notice now, any time the ball's being kicked back to me, I am planted to my line. Nobody will ever lob me ever again from that situation. I don't care if he, if he drops it a mile short and they score from that. Nobody will ever be able to say they lob me from the halfway line ever again. I can tell you that much for free. I remember it happening, Tom. I do remember it, but I didn't realise it was such a vital game. It, it, you know, the, the playoffs position was at stake, was it that day? Yeah, right at the business end of the season, oh. that was, mate. Yeah, that was that was that was to do. That was why it was all obviously su such heightened emotions as well. But mm. yeah, I've, I've played at Guysley not since then, to be fair. But I played a few times before, and um, yeah, it's an it's an interesting set of supporters. I'll give you that. <laughs> well, they don't like southerners up there, do they? <laughs> yeah, I think they caught wind with my accent that I was a southerner, so I don't think they um yeah, I don't think they took a shine to me, but obviously the um the manager's obviously quite well known now, well well known back then with their southerners accent as well. So um yeah, we were we weren't the hot we weren't the hot favourites in town, but um when, when they lobbed me from the halfway line I soon became um I soon became the butt of a very bad joke. <laughs> It's George again, Tom. Tom, you stayed with us for quite some time. You must have had belief that a career with Millwall was a possibility. Can you explain why you stuck with us and what happened when the end finally came? Because I, like many supporters, was surprised and disappointed when you left us, you know, so I just wondered what, what happened. Yeah, I think it, it it was a it was a breaking point in my career. I think I was um, obviously 20, 24. Four years old when I left. I just, I did not long had my 24th birthday, so um, I'd had, by my own admission, an unsuccessful loan at Wimbledon, where that was a real chance for me to go and uh, prove to everyone what I'd done a couple of years ago and that I could adequate myself, 
capably in in a, in League One football, um, which I didn't manage to do. Which was, look, I take full responsibility for that. I mean, I was a, I was a not so young boy, but relatively inexperienced in terms of living away from what was comfortable for me and um, going into a new setup where uh, maybe like like I mentioned about the dressing room was a little bit more divided than what I was used to at at, um, at Millwall. But look. I, I make no bones about it. If I, I still think that leaving Millwall was maybe the, one of the better things that ever happened to me um, because it, it gave me a chance where I had to go somewhere and reprove myself. I couldn't rest on the laurels of I'd done quite well in a few games and um, I needed the chance to be number one somewhere where I was, I, I was given the faith in me that I was going to be proven to be number one. And obviously, through no fault of their own, Millwall being in the championship after we got promoted that year, um, choosing a choosing a young goalie who's got no experience in the championship, it has to be tough for a manager. And I understood that. And uh, Neil made that very clear to me that if it was in any other scenario, if we were if we were still maybe League One, then things might have been different. But I understood that. And look, it's it's one of those things that you look back on great fondness. But I have to look at what's gone since that for me with the with the obviously with the Welsh international staff and. Um, obviously, this year looking like it's going to be a playoff push for us. Like I have to look at that and and have to see as as leaving it leaving Millwall as a step up. But look, Millwall's a great football club, and they um, obviously with Bart coming in as well, he's done unbelievable for the for the last couple of seasons. He's been one of the standout players. So look, they've not um, they've not stood still, which has been good in their goalkeeping department. But I look back on uh, on my time with great fondness, but no, I have to I have to look at I have to look at the bigger picture and see that leaving leaving at that time was probably the best thing that happened to me, and it really uh, it really shook me into action in terms of my off the field life and how I applied myself every day in training. Yeah, uh, it's it's me again, uh, Tom Stan. Uh, you were with us for almost five years, albeit on a loan a bit uh, out on loan a bit. Today, the Millwall side under Gary Rowett appears to be developing toward a playoff challenging side. What have you made of Rowett's reign and can you see us becoming playoff contenders uh, next season? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think you, if you look at, obviously, the model that, that Barnsley are using and uh, you, you, you have to look at that with, with great hope. Do you know what I mean? To go from a side that one year it isn't doing so well. I'm, I mean, with the with the squad size that Millwall have got compared to the to the clubs that they're competing with in and around those places, um, they've done unbelievable. I mean, I'm still close with some some of the lads still in the squad, and speaking to them, that, that they say that the structure, the way the club's being built now, is 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 completely different from when I was there. Um, and you only have to look at that as a positive. You've adopted a different style of play now, which nobody makes any real bones about. But at the end of the day, it's still 11 v 11 with a football, do you know what I mean? You're still finding ways to keep clean sheets and win games and those fundamentals are still there. So, but no, looking at looking in terms of next year, I mean, it's going to be vital that you, you keep hold of your best players, definitely. Um, I mean, you look at Jed and, and Marlon and a few of those other young young talents. I mean, it's vital that you keep hold of lads like that. You keep that core squad of that, that side that almost, well, obviously the side that got promoted all them years ago, there was a few boys still in that dressing room from that, from that era. So, Keeping those core, those core lads around and, and adding more and progressing and making sure you're taking steps forward is obviously going to be vital. But no, I mean, with what Barnsley have done this year, from I mean, everybody has to take note of that and and have a look and and think that the playoffs is a realistic target. I mean, 
I mean, why not? Dare to dream, you know? Dare to mm. dream, exactly. Lots to look forward to, hopefully. Tom, fascinating listening to you talk, but I can't let you go without asking a question about a certain Guinness World Record. Am I right in thinking that you broke the record for the longest goal in football with a distance of 96.01 metres, roughly 105 yards, which of course was a record previously had by a certain Mr. Azmir Begovic. What was the goal like? Can you talk us through it? Yeah, I definitely meant it. Saw the goal off his line and absolutely <laughs> went for it. Saw, saw him there and I thought, yeah, this is doable. No, it was... Um, I, I, I've, I've spoke about this nearly a million times and I, I do thank you for bringing it up again. I, I just love speaking about it. Um, no, nah, look, it, it was one of those one of those fluke moments that I think that I'll look back in 10, 15 years and it'll be one of those things that people just, I, I can't see it ever being broken. I've got to be honest. I, I, I don't see how anybody can kick it any further than that. I mean, the wind was extreme on that day as well. I make, I make no bones about that. I think that's got to take half the credit when it goes in the book at the end of the year. But um, no, nah, it was, it was a special moment for me. I mean, when I, when I first donned a pair of boots and a pair of gloves, I never thought I'd have my name down in the Guinness World Book of Records for the longest goal ever scored, you know? So um, it is interesting now, though, that I do get I, I do get a lot of random tags on Instagram and Facebook and, yeah. and Twitter of, like, people in, like, the Indian League who are smashing it 70, 80 yards, going, oh, I could beat you and all that. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, like, never thought <laughs> I'd be part of this conversation, you know? I never thought I'd be, never thought I'd be generating these sort of comments, but... Um, yeah, no, it was a, it was a, it was a special night, um, and obviously a point that proved quite vital in the end. Obviously, Cheltenham going on mm. to be promoted already, so um, a point at a place like Cheltenham, not many, not many lads have, um, not many teams, sorry, have, have accomplished that. So, yeah, looking back on it, it's, it's an absolute freak moment. But yeah, I do like reminding some of the strikers who are going through a little Barons batch that, uh, yeah, just to let you know, I've got more league goals than you in this calendar year and things like that, and they. Uh, <laughs> I can't say they enjoy that banner, but um, yeah, it's no, tough can, luck on them imagine. really that I love it. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, you've got to give it, haven't you? And just quickly on that goal, I know the whole concept of a goalkeeper's union is a bit of a cliche, but I remember Tim Howard scoring, I think, for Everton against Bolton back in the day, possibly over Adam Bogdan. And I remember him basically apologising to the other bloke, because obviously as a keeper, you're talking about getting lobbed from halfway. You don't want to be conceding from 96 metres. Was there an element of feeling slightly sorry for the poor bloke you scored past? I think yeah. the The initial was the initial reaction was, is that allowed? Is, is that actually allowed? Is that going to be counted as an actual mm. goal, or is that an indirect sort of? That was my initial, and then afterwards was obviously pure joy. We were under the cosh heavily. I mean, normally we we like to to play out from the back, but they had put us under that much pressure in the game that we'd actually decided to go a bit longer. Thankfully, you know. So um, yeah, the initial, but then after the game, it it didn't really sink in until one of the media guys pulled me and said, oh, just to let you know, like, I think they're going to come and have a check if that's the longest goal ever. And I, and then that's when it kind of all sunk in. But I've, uh, to be fair, we played Cheltenham the other week and I spoke to the to the goalie who I scored past and um, he's done unbelievable, to be fair to him. He was part of, obviously, the, not as successful as they had like, but the England under-21 side that went on this European campaign a few weeks ago. Um, yeah. So, yeah, he's he, he, I think he's going to end up with the most clean sheets in the league. So, um, unfortunately for he's him, all these accolades, and he's just going to be known as the the guy that conceded the longest goal ever, you know. So, um, but no, he, he'll go on to do great things, and I'm sure the things that he's going to achieve in his career, from what I've seen, the evidence that I've seen, it will will much outweigh much outweigh that fact. But um, yeah, strange moment, real strange moment. But 
it's one of those things that even when I look at the stat sheets from this season and it says one goal next to my name and I'm thinking, oh my God, like <laughs> people in years to come are going to be looking at this and just laughing, you know? It's quite a story to be able to tell. It's really, really good to hear about. Lastly, just before we let you go, it's a tradition on the show that guests provide a prediction for our next match. So with that in mind, what do you think the score will be when Millwall face Coventry City at St Andrews this Saturday? I think my good mate Jed Wallace would uh, would never forgive me if uh, if I didn't put his name down on a score sheet. So I'll, I'll, I'll give him two, two and an assist. So I'll give a three, huh. three, one, Millwall. Nice. We like the pos- positivity. Tom, thanks so much again for coming on the show. Great to talk to you. All the best to you and yours. And in particular, of course, go and secure that playoff spot. Nice one. Appreciate the, t- appreciate the call. Nice one, lads. Thank you. Cheers, Tom. Yeah, 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 good luck Tom. on Saturday, Tom. Really appreciate that. Thank you very much. Cheers, Tom. Really great to hear from Tom there and, of course, about the literally furthest goal ever scored. Quite something. We'll take a break there before we listen to what's going on with the Millwall Lionesses and Millwall Romans. But first, here is Bethany Warren talking about an app for the blind or partially sighted. Hi, Bethany Warren here. Millwall Lionesses have partnered with international smartphone application Be My Eyes. Be My Eyes is an application that truly benefits the poor of sight and the blind, but is supported by those of us that can see. You might wonder how blind people deal with everyday challenges. Well, normally the answer is simple. We're not that different from you. We play music. We go to school. go to work. You get the picture. But sometimes the simplest things can be difficult and we need a pair of eyes. Connect to. That's where you come in. Establishing video connection. Through your smartphone, Be My Eyes connects the blind with sighted people through a live video connection. Simply choose if you need help or want to help by the click of a button. That's a nice picture of you and your family, Caroline. Is it for a present? <laughs> yes, it's a photo for my parents. You can help just by installing the Be My Eyes app. Print image. And we'll notify you when someone needs your help. And if you're in the middle of something, don't worry. Someone else will step in. So, would you care to be my eyes? Be My Eyes is displayed on the Lioness's shorts this season. Download the app onto your smartphone now and help those that need your eyes straight away. I'm Johnny Burrow and I'm back with the No One Likes Us Talking team of Stan Godwin, Jeff Burnage and George Lampy. Both the Millwall Lionesses and the Romans are back playing. The Lionesses in a round of friendlies after their league was declared null and void. But the Romans are in a mini-league to complete their season. At the weekend, they defeated Barnes Stormers by four goals to two, which is quite the result. And the great performances continue for the Romans, who are now unbeaten in five. 
Millwall Lionesses also had a positive result against Ellsford Ladies last weekend, running out as 4-2 winners as well in what was described as a tough match. So that is four wins and two defeats since their return to football. Next up, they face West Ham United Academy, which will have players who hoped to break into the West Ham Women's Super League side, so it could be a tough test. We will hear from a Lioness next. Our second guest tonight joins us as a fan, a Millwall Community Trust ambassador, a volunteer community worker, a lioness, and the first person at Millwall to ever win the PFA Community Champion Award twice in succession. I'm not going to say any more other than welcome Kelly Webster. Hello, guys. How are we all doing? Uh, I'm okay, Kelly. And yourself? Yeah, not too bad, thank you. Not too bad. That was quite Good. an introduction, Kelly, there, wasn't it? Uh, it, 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 cer it certainly was, yeah. I, I thought he was talking about the wrong person, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we, we don't mess say, around. Uh, <laughs> welcome to the, the very wonderful Kelly Webster. Uh, <laughs> Thank anyway, you. It's a fantastic set of achievements, Kelly. Well done. Thank you very much. Kelly, lovely to speak with you again. And, of course, congratulations, as Jeff says, on your second PFA award. I know your involvement in the Millwall Community Trust is almost non-stop, stop rather, plus you are majorly involved in the Lions Food Hub, which we mention at the beginning of each and every show. You also go to work, plus you train and play for the Lionesses. How do you manage to keep all of these plates spinning? Well, it sounds like a lot when you say it like that, but <laughs> um, I have to put a lot of it down to... My partner, as I've said in the last show last year, like uh, should have been my wife last June, is Ellen. I mean, she she literally, I just ring her and I say to her, oh, can you send an email or can you do this, that, the other? Step forward to volunteer for us down there on a Friday, obviously, when I'm at work. Any, anything I basically ask for, she's, she's always, always there. And I've just been pretty lucky that I've got some very good people around me that... Um, got a few people like volunteering for us like Kelly which is Alex Russell's mum she comes down and helps us on a Friday and then the great backing of Sean Daly at the Community Trust is always there if I ever need to have a chat or just any bit of advice or anything like that really um, also I've had so much support from all the supporters I mean the donations for the food like coming food down there and then banquet app people donating on there the main club's been amazing with tweeting stuff and putting stuff out there for us to get donations donations in. So, yeah, I literally, the, uh, the Mill Lionesses media team, all of them have helped so much. I'm just lucky that I've got a lot, a massive support group, to be honest. Uh, Kelly, um, this is Jeff again. Uh, Hello, Jeff, we, you all right? We yeah, it, it's really great to have you on again. Uh, We've heard how the Lionesses recorded a 4-2 win uh, last Sunday against Ellsford, who actually beat us last season, I think 2-1 if I remember. Uh, and uh, I saw on on Twitter some great goals. We, we scored four great goals that day. Um, how did you see the game going through your eyes? Yeah, I said we, we, we did get beat, you're right, last season like against them. Through me, I thought it was a great team performance as Ellsford are a tier above us. We kept the ball on the floor, some amazing passing. The communication was great between the players for me. Um, to top it off, as you said, four very well-taken goals. It also shows the hard work at the training ground for me is paying off. So 
massive credit has got to go to the coaching staff and all the players that are putting the hard work in week in, week out. Hi, Kelly. Stan here. Hello, uh, Stan. Uh, are you OK? Uh, yeah, good, thanks. I'm now bracing myself for a few, a few bridges with you on the on the 21 bridges for Jimmy after we've had uh, after we had Margaret Risen on the show recently. Uh, Margaret brought our host Gary staff to tears with what she said, and she's such an inspirational woman, and so too are her family. Can you tell us a few things? Why is this cause important to you, and what is happening on the 30th of May? And how can Henry and I get involved? How can we beat last year's total for donations? Yeah, I mean, it means a great deal to me. I mean, for me, I think the words that I'd use is, it, like I always say, is Millwall family. And the Mizzen family are part of that amazing Millwall family. They do such great charity work with going into the schools and teaching kids that the, what happens when violence happens. It's not just the actual act itself, but what can happen afterwards and everything else. So it's a massive cause. And last year, obviously, I didn't want it to miss a year. So me and Jamie done the 21 Bridges on our own that day. And again, I spoke to Margaret this year and I just said to her, look, I, I don't want it to miss a year. But they've come out with another concept as well for, for May which is 20 days in May. So if anyone wants to go onto the Mizzen Foundation and have a look there, you can actually fundraise yourself for them in, in, I think it's from the 11th of May through to the 31st of May, they're doing the 20 days in May. Some people are doing, like we're doing the 21 bridges. I think there's a group cycling 21 grounds. Um, someone's doing 10,000 steps each of those days. So, yeah, there's a lot going on, but I didn't. I don't want it to miss a year for the 21 Bridges. On the 30th of May, when we do it, we'll be going live throughout the day um, to try and get people to see that we obviously are doing it for one. But it, it, like last year, it was it was very entertaining. I thought a lot of people come back to me and said, "Oh, we loved it. You made us laugh. It was really good." So last year's total was, I think it was 1,259. Um, we're really hoping if I would like to get to 2000 because I think, as we said, the pandemic's hit smaller charities really, really hard. So we've got a few extra people doing it this year. So there's me and Jamie again. And then I've got a Mill fan, Dave O'Keefe and his son Liam are going along. And then we've got Amy and Belinda from the club shop at Millwall. Um, and Tony, and then we've got Lucy from the ticket office as well. So we're sort of pairing up. We're, we'll leave at eight o'clock in the morning um, at Richmond. Hopefully we'll be back at Tower Bridge by five o'clock, I would say. So Barry and Margaret themselves as well, we're gonna do from Battersea. So hopefully restrictions will be lifted a little bit by then and it'd be great to have some more people come down and they can obviously see through the day on on us going live roughly where we are and it'd be nice if anyone else can come pop down and do a few bridges with us mm. i mean i'll probably i'll probably <laughs> i've got i suffer with arthritis in my knee so well that ain't that bad but i'll probably go from westminster bridge up you know yeah that listen uh, it all it all helps and it is a great day and i just hope next year fingers crossed that the 21 bridges can be back on and people can do the 21 the 14 the 7 because for me, I think it is like a great day and everyone gets involved 
and it's it's better when it's bigger. But we we make the best of what we can at the moment. Hello, Kelly, Georgia. Hello, Georgia. Right. Yeah. It it looks like it will be a top half finish in the league for Gary Rowett's side. What players have stood out for you this season? Oh, I'm quite bad. I could probably say the whole squad, but I think my main ones for me. Jed Wallace, his goals, his assists have been phenomenal. Again, he's just such yeah, a player. Yeah. Outstanding. But, I mean, the the two that have come up through the ranks is Billy Mitchell and Danny McNamara. I think they've been absolutely outstanding. Really stepped up like from that. And then one I can't believe that's just kept playing is Jake Cooper. I just think what you've been through and everything else with your shoulder injury and you just continue to want to be in that squad and still play amazing is unreal. And then obviously we can't forget Bart, the amount of clean sheets that he's had, unreal. Oh, yeah. So if we keep uh, the core of this team, and I think we, we'll do really well for next season, really well. And I've got one last thing to say. If we all get back to the stadiums next season, come August, get to your seat a little bit earlier. So I don't have to get up just as the game's starting, <laughs> all right? I can't help it, George. You know what I'm like. I, I end up having a chat and it just it just happens, you know? It's just one of those. But yeah, I'll, I'll do my best. <laughs> Kelly, it's been really lovely to catch up with you once again. Just quickly, what are your hopes for the Lionesses next season? Uh, for me, I just, yeah, hope, hopefully my main one is that we complete a season without mm. anything that's gone on like the last two years. But I think with the squad we've got, and it is a great squad, we should be pushing for promotion because we have got so much talent in this squad. Great bunch of girls. And I've got to say, I absolutely adore all of them and have so much time for all of them. So it's something that I think they deserve, definitely. Well, fingers crossed. We can only yeah, hope for, crossed. as you say, a finished season and hopefully on top of that, a promotion. And lastly, before we say until the next time, I know Eamon is working on something to promote the 21 Bridges, so expect him to be back in touch before long. But as you know, it's a tradition for us to ask all guests for a prediction for the next game. So what do you think the score will be when the Lions play the Sky Blues at St Andrews this weekend? Well, after last week's game... I don't think they're ready to go on holiday yet. So for me, I think we're finished on a high. And I've always sort of said, I always, every game I'm like, yeah, 3-1, 3-1. So I'm going to go with 3-1. <laughs> I mean, I hope they obviously don't score. But um, also, I'd just like to thank Eamon and everyone at No One Likes Us for all of like what you've done for us and promoting the Lions Food Hub and everything you've done to support me. Well, thank you, and th thank you. I know, I know, Eamon would be very, very touched. Well, I know he could, he will certainly hear this. He'd be very touched at your words, and thanks for coming on the show as well. It's always so lovely to talk to you. We wish you and Ellen all the best, and send our regards to your teammates. And we look forward to you sharing your views with us early in the forthcoming season. Bye for now. Bye for now. Thank you very much, everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Cheers, Kelly. Cheers. Thank you. We will take a break there before we look ahead to Saturday's game. But for now, here's Bethany Warren talking about a lovely story that is born out of the passing of a goalkeeping star of women's football and a Millwall fan, Jordan Dawes, and her cousin's efforts to raise money in her memory. Hi, Bethany Warren here. Millwall fans Danielle and James will be running the London Landmark Half Marathon in August 
in memory of Danielle's cousin, Jordan Dawes. Listen to Danielle tell her story. Hello, so I am running the London Landmark Half Marathon in August. While training for Tough Mudder, which I'm doing in September, I feel I got the bug for running. I wanted to give myself a challenge and while raising money for Eleanor. Jordan's memory lives on forever and as a family, we honour her memory by giving back to the charities that gave their care and support during the darkest of times. Jordan lost her battle to cancer in 2019. She was a keen footballer playing for the likes of Charlton Athletic, Dillingham and ending her football career at Kent Football United. One of the most memorable times for me and the family when watching Jordan play was when she actually saved a penalty in a cup final leading Kent Football United to win. She was an infectious person to be around, her smile lit up the room. She was keen in talking to James about Millwall. She would come with us as of when she can. And the last game that she actually went to was the FA Cup game against Everton, where Millwall actually sport her, made her feel really special. She was able to meet some of the players, have her pictures taken with the keeper at the time, and was actually given the treatment of being able to go into the exec lounge as well. Uh, the way that people can donate, and we really would appreciate if anyone can, big, small, whatever it is, is through my pinned tweet on Twitter. My Twitter handle is dannyl1206, and that is D-A-N-N-I, capital L, 1206. Or you can go through Just Giving website, that is justgiving.com forward slash fundraising forward slash Jordan Dawes Half Marathon. Just want to thank everyone for taking the time to listen and anyone that donates, so thank you. What a story and what a lovely couple Danielle and James are in doing this together. So if you can help, you can just put James and Danielle fundraising for Eleanor, that is E-L-L-E-N-O-R, into your browser and the Just Giving page will be shown. I'll say that again. Just put James and Danielle fundraising for Eleanor, that is E-L-L-E-N-O-R, into your browser and the Just Giving page will be shown. Thank you. A link will also be in our announcements on Facebook and Twitter. This girl, she was a normal fan. She played for Charlton. Very popular girl, indeed. It's a tragedy when everyone loses their life so young. Real tragedy. I'm Johnny Burrow, and I'm back with the No One Likes Us Talking team of Jeff Burnage, Stan Godwin and George Lampy. Eleanor is Kent-based care service who for children and young adult extends to the London Borough of Bexley. They're the only charity in Kent who provide hospice care for people of all ages and their care includes the widest range of responses possible. If you can support Danielle and James's efforts in memory of Millwall fan Jordan, you really will be making a difference. Well, it's time to look ahead to what's coming up next for our Lions, but first we'll hear from that Twitter and Facebook video sensation, Ellis Barr. Hi everyone, Ellis here. Thanks for watching my videos and thank you for all support. But now it's time to look ahead to your next match. Come on, Nero! Thanks, Ellis. I must say you are the angel rather than that rusty heap alongside the A1 that you were recently pictured with. Our Henry Stato Morgan is sadly not with us tonight. Anyway, it is Coventry this Saturday at 12.30pm for the last game of the season at St Andrews. Looking at the match, neither side has anything to play for other than pride, or do they? 
A win against the Sky Blues could put the Lions into ninth spot, whereas a loss could see Millwall finishing in 12th. Carl Bates said on the show recently that Rowett will want to finish as high as he can to demonstrate to potential transfer targets Millwall's pedigree and intent. And of course, the higher you finish, the larger the financial reward. Going into this game, Coventry have lost one, drawn one and won three in their last five. Those wins were away to Stoke and Rotherham and home to Barnsley. It's been a tough last five for the Lions with losses against Watford, albeit a lucky 1-0 win for the Hornets, Bournemouth and Swansea. But they were buoyed by a draw with Brentford and a strong 4-1 win against Bristol City last weekend. Will Gary Rowett let up or will he want the second top 10 finish for the Lions? Well, Carla Marie Hales of the Facebook group Millwall Fans Home and Away thinks so and predicts the Lions to win by two goals to one. What do you reckon, guys? Given those interesting facts and just how good the performance was last weekend, what do you reckon? How are we going to get on against Coventry? I think that uh, we are motivated. The, the team did not look as if they were ready to to go on their summer holidays, even if we were allowed to at the moment. Um, I, I do think we'll win. Coventry's recent form is better than ours, but nevertheless, I'm going to go along with that forecast of a 2-1 win to the Lions. Jeff's confident, isn't he? Um, yes, I mean, after our performance last week, and I'm a little bit disturbed on hearing just how good Coventry have done of, of recent, uh, but... Um, I think it could be quite a close game. As a football fan, I'm delighted that Coventry are going home next season. I think they're going back to the uh, arena or whatever it's called. Um, But I think it'll be a tight game and I see it being about 2-2, to be honest. Well, George, I don't know. I've yet to listen to you make a prediction where we're actually going to win the game. It's always a draw, but... uh... But anyway, I no, I think we're playing well. I think we'll take our form in, into the game and uh, and I think Millwall will win by 2-0. Uh, well, interesting thoughts from everyone there. It'll, of course, all be over for the Lions by 2.30pm on Saturday until next season comes. But don't miss next week's show, which will, be a feature, which will, of course, feature a review of the season. Don't forget, you can hear Henry reviewing Saturday's match and links will be available on our social media site and Spreaker. We'll take a break there for a message from Patricia Maslin with an introduction from that most famous of young Bermondsey citizens, Harvey Brown. Harvey Brown here. I miss my football at the Ben. Did you know Millwall Community Trust are continuing to help people of all ages from different walks of life and are doing so much good in these tough times, but they need our help. Here's Patricia to tell you more. Oh, thank you for that intro, Harvey. Millwall Community Trust appreciates your support. You are a star. The Millwall Community Trust, MCT, have launched a bursary fund this week to tackle financial hardships. The bursary fund has been put in place to aid individuals participating in an MCT activity or programme. The funds will be awarded to help further an individual's career and potential at MCT. Sean Daly, CEO of the Trust, said, Funds raised from our fundraising events and donations from supporters of the Trust will support the MCT's bursary, which will in turn offer financial support to participants on our programmes. 
For example, helping with travel expenses so they can attend, providing clothing for young people, or paying for a haircut for an interview. Jubin Sarami, who was part of the initial fundraiser for the fund, said, It was amazing to be able to raise funds for and launch our bursary fund. We achieved this with support from our amazing fans who took part in a month-long virtual race around Europe between all the host Euro 2020 cities. Our fantastic fans ran, cycled and walked nearly 6,000 miles. Thanks to them, we were able to smash our fundraising target. The bursary fund will be open to all participants of Millwall Community Trust programmes. We are really excited to launch a project and will always welcome donations. For further information about the bursary, please email Sean Daly, that is S-D-A-L-Y at millwallcommunity.org.uk. If you wish to make any donations, insert Millwall Community Trust into your internet browser, click on Donate, either on the browser page or on the header of the MCT website. Thank you. I'm Johnny Burrow and I'm back with the No One Likes Us Talking team of Jeff Burnage, Stan Godwin and George Lampy. People's lives are still being lost to this dreadful virus or as a consequence of suffering with it, but deaths have reduced significantly. Infections continue, but are also reducing. Even so, people, of course, continue to be hospitalised. Our thoughts go out to the victims, their families, friends and those that take care of them. There are so many fans who want to support the club. And for now, you can simply make a donation when you renew your season ticket. The Super Saver period, which guarantees you the best value for money on your season ticket, is now open and will continue until the 17th of May 2021, with purchases available online and by phone only. During the Super Saver period, a season ticket pricing allows Lions fans to save up to a huge 86% off regular match day pricing. All the details and more can be found on the normal website. Additionally, don't forget I follow returns to our screens with Carl Bates and Max McClellan on Saturday when we face Coventry City. And don't forget, it's a 12.30pm kickoff at St Andrews. I've made that mistake in the past. You probably all have. 100% of what you pay, less taxes for the internet streaming service, home or away, goes back to Millwall Football Club. That's a wonderful way to improve their revenue during these challenging times. Lastly, sponsorship packages will soon be announced along with other commercial opportunities. So watch out on the normal website for further details. With that, good night from me. Next Friday, James Kelly returns to host Ted Robinson, Gary Staff and Patricia Masley. In the meantime, Scott Johnson, founder of the Proper Blokes Club, He's still looking for guys to come along and join in to break the stigma of men's mental health with walk and talk groups. Group walks will now take place on Thursdays at 6pm and Sundays at 6.30pm, both departing from HMS Belfast. Check out the Proper Blokes Club on Twitter and Facebook for further details. And it's good night from me. Don't forget Millwall Lionesses and Romans are now playing football under the current restrictions. 
the Lionesses are having open training sessions for prospective new first-team players, which commenced on the 7th of April. You need to register interest on a form, which is available on their Facebook and Twitter sites to attend. Millwall Romans return to playing and training, and potential joiners are welcome. Make contact through either their Facebook or Twitter sites. Both teams train and play their home games at their most excellently managed Millmore Community Trust site at St Paul's Sports Ground, Salter Road, Rob Ride. You could be playing there too. Good night and keep safe, everybody. Lastly, let's not forget, as George says, to keep it safe on the streets out there. Follow the lockdown 3.0, reducing guidance, social distancing when outside, and of course, a face mask where necessary. That's it from me. Thanks, Jeff, Stan and George. A real pleasure to speak to you all again. Until the next time, good night. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.